morning, I want to talk about uh, the king, his kingdom, and your adventure with him. Let's go, baby. I like that picture. I'm like, I want to be those guys right there. Yeah, taking off into the mountains. I love mountains. Um, I, I actually uh, was thinking about this uh, as a, a week from last Saturday, and I was kind of late at night. I was putting together my sermon, thinking about it. And I had this plan. I got this plan. I was like, ooh, this is a great plan. This is how I'm going to do it. It's going to be the king, his kingdom, and your adventure with him. And I kind of laid it out just like the big, broad brush strokes. And I was like, I'll fill it in later. That'll be great. So I go to church the next morning, and uh, I was worshiping. And uh, actually, I think I was looking on the Internet, and I was like, I think that's me. That, I mean, check it out. Like, it looks like it really is me. Big head skinny arm up there my fist and I do that a lot and I saw I found it at this church is like some harbor like Christian church or harbor Christian church I was like maybe I've been there and they got a picture of me but I don't if there's another guy that guy is a cool guy that looks like that (laughs) out there anyway so I'm worshiping on Sunday morning and we're singing about like the king and his glory and everything and I'm like oh Jesus you're so amazing and everything and in the middle of that I heard in my head Simon, I have something to say to you. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you guys know this story, but immediately the story of where this comes from pops into my head. And, uh, and you know what is funny is like sometimes, right, uh, God says stuff to us and we're kind of thick. And so he could say it really clearly and we still don't get it. You know, sometimes actually I've found that people miss uh, the prophetic voice of God, what God says to them, because they're, um, they've had their eyes trained so long to look at the world a certain way that they actually, they interpret it, they interpret what the Word of God says according to their own experience. And so they actually miss what He's trying to communicate to them, and it never changes their behavior. And it's a little bit what happened to me, sort of, but this story pops into my mind, and I, I've flashed back to... Um, what had happened on Friday night. I'd been Friday night. I was alone. My wife was away uh, for the weekend. And, uh, you know, I was there late at night and I end up like having some temptation. I was like watching this uh, movie on the internet. Temptation popped into my head. And, uh, and so I ended up like, you know, feeling like I was about to go, you know, I was going there right in my mind and God delivered me like he has a lot of other times. And he rescued me from that. And so that's what popped into my head when this, uh, phrase popped into my head and in case you guys don't know the story you can turn to Luke 7 in your Bible and in fact this had such a powerful effect I was thinking about that and I thought man you know like God you're so gracious and we're singing about the king and all his glory and I thought wow it's so amazing that the king cares about little old me you know and that he would it, it would matter to him to take time out of his schedule with seven billion other people and come and rescue me. And man, that just messed, messed me up, you know? And I was just, tears are streaming down my face, and I was like, you know what? This is a word, this is what Generations Church needs to hear. And I was like, I have no idea how this fits in with the king, his kingdom, and your adventure with him, but I need to, I need to say this, you know? And uh, in fact, I was thinking about this, and I, I wrote something from Psalm 8, and it goes like this. Uh, When I consider the heavens, the work of your hands, what is man that you would care, 
that you would tear open the fabric of the universe, scrape yourself through just to be near, look me in the eye, pry me out of the bear trap of slavery before I die. I don't see what you do when I stare at my reflection. Introspection only exposes flaws, disgust creeping up my neck, pulling me down, drowning out sight, the drone of never being good enough, fists pounding wounds, hair pulled out, razor sharp cuts, red ruts could never spill enough to quench this thirst. Addiction's curse, the only music my experience understands. Are you strong enough to still my destructive plans? Plant your seed of what it means to be a man. The work of your hands. More costly than the heavens. Dearer than the death of one you love. Nearer than a kiss to fire my blood. Flood these veins with shooting stars. Surge through cracks and scars. Fashion instruments the world has never seen. From broken things. Cast off notes. Rejected hopes and dreams. New melodies singing peace. Tone-deaf choirs drowning out fear. Featherbeds made of recycled arrows and spears. I don't want some magic halo or pristine wings. Save me a place at your table where homeless men and girls with eating disorders sit as kings and queens. My lone voice swims with seven billion seas of hope past noisy shores and crowded radio stations across the silent vacuum of space beyond galaxies and supernovas all the way to the threshold of your ears. But you already came near. Your arms race to hold. Voice soothes. Arms uh, capture... Uh, hand stifles the breath of condemning lies. Even what justice knows, I deserve. Archangels stare in awe. Evil collapses in disbelief. What have I done to deserve your attention? Close and near connection, incomprehensible perfection. My chest comes undone trying to fathom your affection for every work of art you've made. And me, this pile of rags declared beautiful, lovable skin, acceptable face, and tender embrace. Honor. It's the only fabric you know how to make for my clothes. When I consider the heavens, the work of your hands, what is man? Only you know. You always love first. And that was a wet sopping mess. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, you know, that was just pouring through my head. And if you look in Luke 7, 36 through 50, it's one incredible story. Can't get enough of Jesus. I could talk about him for hours. How much time do I have? <laughs> uh, hours, okay. Well, don't, don't tempt me. 
Um, Alright, so here's the scene. Is Jesus is just, he's just gotten done kind of like laying the heavy on all these Pharisees and stuff who are questioning him. And he, he just says like, look man, John the Baptist, he didn't come eating and drinking. He wasn't the kind of guy that you wanted to go have a good time with because all he was talking about was, if you don't repent, fire is going to come down and burn you all up. You better get right. I got some water right here. You want to avoid the fire? Here's some water. You want it? Right? That was John, right? So he's like, he wasn't that fun party kind of guy to be around. And you're like, that guy's got a demon, you know? And then Jesus, he's like, and then the Son of Man comes, and he comes eating and drinking and partying with everybody, hanging out with all the low-class people. And you're like, man, that guy's a friend of tax collectors and sinners. He's low-class. And he's an alcoholic. I bet you he's an alcoholic. He's drinking with them. And he's a glutton. He eats way too much. He seems to enjoy food. What is he thinking? He's using his tongue. It's like God gave it to him or something, right? It's like, and Jesus says, but, you know, wisdom's justified by our children. So my idea is that I suppose Simon, where is he at? There he is right up. Oh, no, that's not uh, too far ahead. That's why I wanted the laser pointer. Simon right over there, that guy. For those of you over here, it's that guy. Just in case. Okay. And uh, that guy, he goes, hey, Jesus. Um, well, shoot, man, you like the party, right? Why don't you come to my house? I'll give you a meal, you know? I can hang, right? Jesus, I've got street cred, right? Okay, this kind of Simon, he's like, come over to my house, and then awkward of awkwardness happens. In the night, the harlot moves across the floor. Turns the handle on the door. A hundred eyes seem to look right through her. Why she's there, they're not sure. And behind her love, she falls down to her knees. And without a word, she begins to weep. And her tears, they fall down upon his feet. And she smothers them with kisses. And she dries them with her hair. And it's weird. Right in the middle of dinner. And you can see the look on Simon's face. He's like, what the heck is going on? He, he definitely wouldn't have said, he wouldn't have said what the hell because he was a Pharisee. So he definitely would have said heck, you know? <laughs> right? Okay? He wouldn't, have, he wouldn't have messed it up and made that tragic religious mistake, right? So he, he says, he's like, and so it says a woman in the city who was a sinner, she came in and along with her, she brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil. You know, I mean, it takes a lot of tears for them to be able to wash off the dirt from someone's feet. This was no, like, brief thing. This was messy. This was awkward. You know, think about that moment. And this woman, everybody knew what she was about. And Simon's like, what are you doing? It's the party. She's messing it up. 
And he thinks to himself, right? He thinks to himself, if this guy were a prophet, this man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him. For she's a sinner. And what he meant was, she's a whore. And you know she doesn't have pure motives. I know she doesn't have pure motives. She's touching his feet. That's intimate. How dare she? And if he were a prophet, he'd know that. So let's look at Jesus' prophet cred. These are supposed to come up one at a time. Oh, well. So first of all, he'd spent all night on the mountain in prayer. You could look back in Luke 6. This is all in there. He spends all night in in prayer, comes down, and he says, here's all my 12 apostles, right? These are the guys, all my disciples. These 12 are like my inner core. They're my dudes, right? Okay, so he appoints 12 apostles. And then it says he stands there. And while he's standing there, power just goes out from him healing people. This wasn't like he laid his hands on. He didn't even do like a prayer cloth, right? You know, you ever see the Robert Tilton prayer cloths that you used to be able to buy for $75 plus interest that never runs out? Something. Anyway, okay, so it's not that kind of a thing, you know. And those things, that's legitimate because there were times when people just, you know, it said they got like cloths from different people and they'd heal them. It happened, right? So somebody's kind of take, you know, taking advantage of people by this whole deal. But so Jesus, he didn't even need like a piece of his clothing to touch anybody. He just stands there. You're healed, you're healed, you're healed, you're healed. Kind of like what happens sometimes in worship, right? It's like he's actually here. It's kind of cool. Okay, and then he delivers this revolutionary teaching about life. And in Luke 6, the Sermon on the Mount where he's talking about Blessed are you poor, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who you mourn, because you're going to be comforted. You know, man, you get to be in on the kingdom. If you've been just desperate and longing and broken and hoping that one day all this good stuff that people keep talking about and hoping would come to them, it's here. It's available for you. He delivers this revolutionary teaching right then, and everybody's just, wow, this guy is amazing. Right. And he extends the law. He makes the law. He's like, it's not about pretense and show and what you look like on the outside. It's about your heart. God wants your heart and he wants you near him and he wants relationship with him. He delivers that. And then he goes off from there and these guys meet him and say, there's a centurion. And he's a really good guy. He loves our country. He does nice things for everybody. And his servant's sick. Would you please come and heal him? And Jesus is like, "Okay, I'll, I'll go. And he's on the way in the centurion. You know, he's like. Don't even come to my house because I know how this works. Just the fact that you're willing to heal him, that's enough. He'll be healed because I do the same thing. I got guys under me, and if I just tell them, go do this, they do it. And I know it's the same way. You got all sorts of authority, and if you just say the word, it's done. And Jesus is like, whoa, I like that guy. That guy's cool. I'm kind of sad I don't get to meet him, you know. And then, and that centurion servant, they looked and they said he was healed exactly at that moment. You know, when Jesus was right there and he's saying, oh, he's healed. Okay, and then he's going by, he walks by, he sees, oh, a funeral procession, right? I'm thinking, this is a great adventure, being with Jesus, right? He gets in all sorts of messes, right? So he's walking by, he's like, oh, 
funeral processions happening. He's like, guys, open the coffin. Hello? What? Are you serious? You know, creeping the creepster, right? You know, what are you going to do with the body? And he's like, I'm going to touch it. No, you're not. Yes, I am. You know, don't weep. Don't be crying. Why is everybody sad? Don't you guys realize what the father's doing right here? He's about to bring some awesome joy. Aren't you ready? You're ready for some joy, right? So he opens the coffin. He touches the body. He's like, hey, come to life. Boom. Raised from the dead. Okay. And then he goes out and it says all these people crowded around him. And it said he healed everybody who came to him. Infirmities, afflictions, evil spirits, blindness, you name it. He's got the healing for it. I'm kind of thinking maybe he is a prophet. Simon, you idiot. Maybe you're the one that needs the change. Maybe what's happening with Jesus and this harlot is exactly what's supposed to happen. I'm just guessing. But that list, that is only in two days. Two days. That beats like my lifetime of praying for people, right? Does anybody, I mean, anybody else stood there and just like watch power going out from you? Whoa, off my elbow too. Got one over there. Nice. Awesome. Shoulder throw. Yeah. Sweet. You know, like, and the funny thing is it probably didn't even feel like that to him. He probably just felt totally normal, totally natural, right? Just God's power. Because it's all about the father. And it always says, you know, whenever Jesus does this awesome stuff, people go, I can't believe that God would give that, that kind of power to men. He'd give that kind of power to people. God must be awesome. Because he's all about showing people what God was like. He wasn't even about himself. Man, what a cool guy. I told you, I could talk about him all day. Jesus just blows my mind. You know? And every time I read about him, I just get blown away thinking about Jesus. All right. So I'm thinking, what's the king like? What is the king like? You know, and of course, then Jesus says to Simon, he says, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he tells him this story. He says, there's this guy, he's a creditor, he's a banker. That's what he looks like. Give me money, right? And there's one guy, there's two guys that both owe him money. One guy owes him 5,000 bucks, you know, nice stack of bills, that's decent amount of money. I actually checked it out. I sort of converted it. It's approximately right. He said 50 denarii in the Bible. A denarii was uh, a day's wage. So this is like 50 days wages, 5,000 bucks, you know. Some of us, some of us, maybe that's a little bit more, a little less, whatever. And then the second guy says, the second guy owes him 50,000, just a little bit more. So he calls them both to him. And uh, he says, he says, uh, hey, you know what? Um can you guys pay me back? Can you? And they're like, we don't got it. This is the point in the story, right? Where the mafia breaks people's knees and bad stuff happens, okay? You know, but Jesus said, so, he does a little twist, right, in the story. He goes, so, instead of, is that is he the mafia? Is that what's going on? Really? Yeah. I love that guy. Man, hey, you know, I got a guy actually in England that owes me like 750 bucks. And he hadn't paid me for six. Yeah, can we talk later? That's awesome. I seriously do. 
it's, it's, it's happened. This is the second year in a row now. And uh, anyway, it's sad. Okay. But so he's like, can you pay? And both of them say no. And he goes, I'll forgive you both. So Jesus says, which one do you think of these guys loves him more? Well, I mean, what Simon said, well, I mean, what do you think, right? 50 grand guy, right? That's what Simon said, too. He's like, well, I guess. Because he's like, look, man, I know Jesus is smart. He sets people up all the time with these questions. And I'm about to get it. I realize, you know, Simon, so he's like, mm, I guess the guy with 50,000 more. It's like, I'm not really committing to this answer, right? So he tells him that. And Jesus said, yeah, you're right. The guy who had 50,000 bucks would love him more. You rightly judged. Good job. So what's the king like? King, then first of all, he is generous. And he's forgiving. Now, I think Jesus set it up where you'd be thinking like the creditor is kind of like God, right? But the creditor is not mean like that other guy that looked there give me money and he's all about money instead he pulls this little twist on him he says he forgave them both so he's generous he's forgiving if you look back in luke 6 what else is the king like the king he is powerful he's able to heal obviously if jesus is the exact representation of the father and he just stands there and power goes out from him and heals them all he's powerful and you know what you don't want to mess with him He's pulled down nations and kings. You know, there's a, this amazing book called The Back of the North Wind where this, uh, uh, at this boy, a little boy, meets the north wind. And she says to him, I have to go and sink a ship. And he goes, but we've had such great times together and you're so nice. How could you go and kill all these people? And she says, yes, how could I? And uh, he says, but, but you're good. You can't do something bad. She's like, that's exactly it. I am good. He says, but I don't understand. You, how could you go then and sink the ship? He's like, have you ever done this before? He's like, she's like, I've destroyed entire nations. I've killed men, women, children. That's God. He's, he's able to end you. And yet he's generous and he's forgiving. He's powerful and he's able to heal. And it says he wants to heal. That's his heart. He doesn't want to do that. He only does that as a last resort because he's like, these people, they've sold themselves to evil and they're so bad that they keep destroying all these other people that want to follow me. So I'm going to have to, they keep fighting against me, I'm going to have to get rid of them so that these people can know my love. Because they're abusive. I don't want to get on that side. So just... You know, oh, I guess I, what happened? Oh, yeah, I pulled it out. I was like stepping on the cord and stuff. There you go, it's back. So he's powerful, he's able to heal. Next one, he is joyful and he loves to party, right? Son of man comes eating and drinking and everybody's like a glutton and a, you know, a lush, a wine bibber. You know, I think a lush is like a good, good word for that, right? So he loves to party. Jesus is the guy that you want to have around to have a good time. You ever thought about that? Like, if you've got a night that you want to go out and, like, have a good time, why don't you just go, hey, Jesus, can we go out and have a good time together? He would be like, I am down with that. Let's go. I'm going to shake my booty more than all of you guys. You know? You know? Yeah, let's get down. Come on. I can handle it. Whatever you got, I got more. 
You know, let's go. Let's make it happen. Right? That's the kind of Jesus that we've got. And then he is convicting and he's holy. He does not get let you get away with your crap. He doesn't. Right? And besides that, he's not the kind of holy that abstains from everything. He's the kind of holy that's right in the middle of everything that's going on. And he does the right thing. Because he himself is surrounded by God's goodness so much that he can't make a mistake. Any direction he goes would be the right one. That's actually the idea of righteousness. Have you ever had a problem with that word righteousness? What the heck does righteousness mean? You know, does it mean goody two-shoes? No. It means being surrounded by God's goodness so much that you can't make a wrong decision. That's the idea of righteousness in the Bible. He leads me into paths of righteousness. He leads me into paths where I can do no wrong for his name's sake so that everybody sees how awesome he is, right? Jesus is convicting and he's holy and he calls us out when we're acting like idiots, like Simon was, and says, I got something to say to you. Simon, I have got something to say to you. And he's filled with compassion. If it's messing with you, if you care about it, God cares about it. He knows our frame. And I don't get that. I don't understand why he does that, but he does. So I'm just going to have to accept it. I'm just going to have to go with it. Thank God. If you want to look at what the king is like, you can look at Psalm 45. It's a big, long thing to read about. It first talks about the first half is about the king, and the second half is about his bride. And you can actually take the first and second half and lay them on each other, and they mirror each other. You can see the way that there's the expression of kind of like, in, in essence, the male part and the female counterpart to the picture of what Christ and his bride are supposed to look like. And it's in the Old Testament. So anybody who thought like there was like the Old Testament was only Old Covenant theology or whatever, sorry. Anyway, uh, this is the same God. He was the same then. He's the same now. He always wanted to have relationship with us. And when anybody ever was like seriously desperate and wanted to get close to God, he always found a way for that to happen, even if they screwed it up even if they made mistakes doing it, right? And Psalm 45, so I rewrote it because, you know, I don't know exactly what it means when the daughter of Tyre will come with a gift. You know, what, what does that mean? Do you, you got any thoughts on the daughter of Tyre? Anything pop in your head? Nothing at all, right? Same thing with me. I read that. The daughter of Tyre, blank slate, right? So the king, this is what the king's like. The daughter, and, and the daughter of Tyre, actually, Tyre viewed itself they, were, they had been there longer than Israel. They were culturally more advanced. They were traders that went throughout the world and traded with the entire world. And so they had exposure to everything. They were experienced, right? They were smart ones. And Israel to them were like the country bumpkins. So the daughter of Tyre, it would be like Dallas considers Granbury. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, right? But you know how there's people from Dallas, right? You talking to somebody from Dallas... And you're like, I'm from Granbury. And they're like, oh, yeah, I've heard of that place. You know, how the sheep, you know, how the cows out there. Been infested with ticks and fleas lately. You know, that's what Dallas thinks, right? Jerks. Got to get dressed up to go to the bathroom in Dallas. Way to go. I'm from Austin, so I can make fun of Dallas. Anyway, so that's the daughter of Tyre. Is that girl, or maybe it's that girl in school, who thinks she's better than you, and she's going to let you know it. And she's never going to let you forget it. Well, so here we go. This is Psalm 45. 
When I consider, uh, that's Psalm 8, sorry. I ready my pen, bridle my tongue, my lips dance their melodies for the king. Spilling out, tipping over, twirling tasty morsels, choice pearls of eager goodness. You are fairer than all others, my love. Every word you utter drips to an open mouth. A desperate parched earth springs of hope in a weary wasteland. Only you could be crowned with favor forever. So stand like the king you are. Warrior for the weak. Conqueror of bleak death. Plunge your sword into snarling demons. Sink your arrows in enemies' hearts. Trample their faces. Drown them in truth. Fill the earth with the fruit of humility. Secrets of stars. You last beyond the end and before the start of time. But it's not your power that gives you strength. Not your greatness that wins our love. No hint of jealousy, no spot of pride. Mixed motives come nowhere near to invading your heart on the inside. You turn your back on every evil thought. Never cause harm. It makes your smile genuine. Your laugh, easy. When you enter the room, rest and spotlessness prance at your side. Your spirit sings. The maidens dance. At your right hand stands the queen clothed in all the honor you own. So give me your ear, my precious ones. Trust in the counsel I speak. Let your past sink out of reach. The warmth of your childhood home can't compete with your destiny laid at his feet. Set your eyes on the king. Fling your cares in his arms. Let your charm stroke his face, all his sweetness to taste. And every jealous rival once proud superior will bow with their gifts, beg for your favor, gaze on your beauty twinkling from temples woven in gold, your sisters dance bringing you in, innocence flowing from dresses, skipping like fawns, filling the palace with fountains of songs, your children will succeed your fathers in fame, the whole world will proclaim stirring tales of your deeds, every child will read of the simple girl who discovered her dreams, desire, by the fairest of all. We ready our pens. Bridle our tongues. Our lips dance their melodies. For the king. Oh man, that's what the king's like. He's a warrior. And he'll deliver you. He's powerful. He's able to heal. But he's generous. He's forgiving. He's convicting and he's holy. And he won't let you get away with your stuff. And he is the life of the party. Right? And he's filled with compassion. Ooh! I like him a lot. I like him a lot. So what's the kingdom like? What does the kingdom look like? You know, because a lot of times, you know, we say we want the kingdom of God to come, but then we don't really consider what it's going to look like when it gets here. Right? Well, how, what kind of things would it affect? I mean, it should affect everything. Now, Jesus told a lot of parables. And probably, the, you know, this really interesting one, I was telling, talking to Alan and Yvette last night about this. But I was reading this the other day, and I finally got sort of some understanding about this. The one where he says, Now the kingdom of heaven is like a loaf, a lump of dough. And you put a little leaven in it, 
And then it leavens the whole lump. And that's it. That's the parable. Like, uh, so what does that mean, Jesus? And that one never gets explained in there. Probably it was so obvious to them in their culture that they would get it. But we're like, I don't usually leaven my own bread. You know, I just buy it from the store. Right? Okay? So the deal is, if you look at a lump of dough, when you put the leaven in it, afterwards, after the leaven is already spread throughout the, be- throughout the bread, throughout the dough, and has made the bread ready, you still can't tell any difference. You know what he's saying? He's like, I didn't come to completely alter your structure of government, of life. I just put my own holy virus in it. And I want to transform every part of it and make it alive. I want to make it filled with life. So, you know, I am sad. You know, that I don't know what's going to happen to our country because of Election Day. I don't know. We chose some good people. We chose some bad people. It happens every couple of years. Right? And some people like the people we chose. Some people don't like the people we chose. That's not the issue. The issue is the king. Set your eyes on the king. He's the leaven. He wants to come into our lump of dough that's America, and he wants to transform it. We got Obama. Whether you like him or not, pray for him that God would transform his heart. Because whoever he is up there, he's got gifts and callings that God gave him, and he's not going to take them away from him, right? Until he finally dies, because that's, he's good like that to everybody. He gives us gifts and stuff. He's like, I'll let you choose how you want to use them. I'm generous. In fact, I'm wasteful. I'm extravagant. You know, seriously, he is, right? I mean, what kind of dad would ever sell, actually sell a third or a half, whichever way, you know, you interpret that culturally, of his entire possessions and lands and cattle and everything like that and just give them on his, to his son to go off and waste on partying? What kind of dad does that? That's the prodigal son story. It's the prodigal father. He's wasteful. Okay? So that's what, that's what he's like. And he's, he's the, the little bit of leaven, right? So let's look at some characteristics so we can see what it looks like. Well, the other thing, it's full of the poor, the hungry, the broken, excluded, the persecuted, and diseased who have been healed. And who are being healed. And who still can't get their crap together. And are still needing to be healed. That's what the kingdom looks like. If our kingdom looks like a bunch of people pretending to be sparkly and shiny and perfect, that is not the kingdom of God. It is not the kingdom of God. And I'm sorry that we've portrayed that image as the church to the world. Change yourself and then you'll come into our and then you can come into our church. That is never God's attitude. Just come to me. I'm gentle. I'm lowly of heart. And you'll find rest for your souls. Take my yoke upon you. My yoke's easy. My burden's light. I'm not giving you tons of rules and stuff. I'm just giving you me. You want to spend time with me? I'll change you just as we spend time together. That's what the kingdom's like. It's full of all those people who are finding mercy and forgiveness in his eyes. The kingdom is full of abundance and joy. There should be joyful outbursts happening. Right? In fact, you can go and look in, uh, 
in Psalm 72 is another one. It describes exactly what the Messiah's reign is going to be like. And he says there will be an abundance on on the tops of the mountains. So look, abundance, what I'm talking about, is, you know, when the kingdom infects America, it should change our economy. What would happen if business owners started treating people right? They'd get more customers. Have you ever had bad customer service and you thought, I'm not going back there? You know what you just said? I'm not giving them my money. And the business owner just got made a little poorer. But if businesses start actually being creative and coming up with products we actually need, that actually fill a need in our lives, and then they give great customer service, that, those businesses always do well. Doesn't matter what the economy looks like. Right? The kingdom is powerful. You, just using, even using the principles of the kingdom without being close to the king, even that's powerful. It is. And so it's like, hey, I want that to happen. It should be full of abundance and joy. And I'm not saying we're all driving Rolls Royces, but I'm saying in every situation you've got, right? Paul says, whether I'm lacking or whether I'm overflowing with stuff, I've learned how to be content. It's in knowing Jesus, right? And then Jesus is his light source. That's the whole point of it. The whole point of the kingdom is Jesus. You know, if you look, you look there in Psalm 72, it says, it shall last as long as uh, until the moon is no more. There shall be abundance of peace until the moon is no more. Now, the moon, all it does is reflect the sun, and they actually knew that then. They weren't stupid like some modern people think. You know, they were very smart. And they understood that the moon just reflected the sun. And so that image there, that there's going to be so much peace, we won't even need the moon. We won't even need the moon to remind us that night is not going to be forever. That there's dawn coming. And there's the light of day coming. And it's even a pointing to that there's the Messiah coming. He's going to show us what real light is like. And He's come. And He's here. That's the good news. The kingdom's here. You can get in on it. I feel like I might have a good story to tell. You might have a good story to tell. The king's here. I could talk about the king all day. I don't even have to talk about myself. I could talk about the king and his kingdom. You want to be in on that kingdom? It just so happens that my life experience backs it up. Wow! This would be revolutionary, I think. And it lasts forever. The kingdom's not going to end. You don't have to worry about it changing in four years when another guy gets elected that you probably don't like either. No matter what party he's part of. There's always problems with it. Who really, who really desperately thought Mitt Romney's going to solve all our problems? Did you really think he was going to do it? Did you hope that, were you like, well, I really like Paul Ryan, and I just hope that I'll get elect Mitt so that maybe one day Mitt's going to like croak and then Paul Ryan gets to take over, and then we'll all, you know, work out with PX90, whatever, XP, what is it? What's the workout system? PX90, yeah. And then we'll all do PX90 workouts, and we'll be fit, and America won't be obese anymore, and, and, and diabetes will be cured, and we'll all be good, and businesses will thrive, and uh, yeah, 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 Paul Ryan, I was hoping for him. Did anybody really get excited about him? Come on. I'm more excited about the kingdom because it just doesn't end. I can bank on it. I can set my hope on it. I can put my trust in it. Yes, this is a good idea. Jesus is a good idea. 
Despite maybe what people are telling you, Jesus is a good idea. And despite how hard it is sometimes. Sometimes it is hard to believe in somebody who's invisible. But he'll speak to you. He'll show up. He'll catch all your tears. He's hurting right along with you. When you see loved ones die, when you see pain and problems happen, He's right there. That's the kingdom's life. And you can look it up. You can look. It's pretty cool, actually. You can compare Psalm 72 to Revelation 21. And they have very similar characteristics of like, you know, when he says, I'm going to show you what the bride's like. And then he starts describing these things. But there's all this abundance. There's no more pain. There's no more sickness. And he says, and they don't even need the sun or the moon anymore, you know, because Jesus is going to be its light. And the nations are going to bring all their glory into it. Psalm 72 says almost exactly the same thing. He's like, he's going to rescue the poor and needy when they cry. He's going to bring justice to the oppressed. Real justice. The kind of justice that says, I know how to separate who was actually wrong and right in these 19 generations of the caste system in India. Where you've got some little child who's a slave from birth. Jesus is like, I can sort that out. You can't sort that out. But I can. I got hope in him. And then after he does that, man, he's going to set economies right. And he's gonna, his kingdom's going to last forever. Anyway, compare it to Revelation 21. It's amazing, right? And then Luke 6, you can look at the Sermon on the Mount. And he'll tell you what the kingdom's like there too. And the cool thing is we can all get in on it. So all this stuff is in that thing. And then Jesus says to Simon in Luke 7, Do you see this woman? No, look at her. Do you see her? You see on the outside. But do you see her? Do you realize what she just did? You didn't wash my feet. You gave me nothing for my feet. She washed my feet. In fact, she poured her tears on my feet to make my feet clean. I mean, look at what it says right here. Luke 7. He says, I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she's washed my feet with her tears. She wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss. You didn't welcome me into your house like that, but she hasn't stopped kissing my feet since she came in. Because I see her heart. I know what she's really like. She hasn't stopped kissing my feet since she came in. You didn't anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. She made me smell good. She put perfume on me. Um, you know, now do it. Okay, so the feet are this disgusting, filthy part of the body, considered to be like that, and she spends her livelihood on his feet. And Jesus is blown away. This is the cool thing about Jesus, too. He's blown away by it. He's vulnerable to us. He makes himself vulnerable to us, and he says, you can't love like this unless you've been forgiven of many sins. Do you see this woman? 
Do you see what she's done? How could you come to the conclusion that she's a harlot? Sure, on the outside, that's what it looks like. But do you see her? Didn't you see what she just did? Didn't that make any impression on your hard heart? You can't love extravagantly unless you've been forgiven. And so there I am in the middle of worship. Simon, I have something to say to you. So my wife came home afterwards and I told her, you know, that I I had been tempted, but the Lord had delivered me before I gave into it. And she said, well, you didn't look at anything that was bad, right? I said, no, I didn't. And she said, well, good, awesome. Thank you, Lord. Deliver Peter. And I heard again, Simon, I have something to say to you. And I was like, well, and I was thinking, I was like, yeah, but I, I mean, that is the truth. Like, yeah, but you didn't tell her everything. And we kind of left right there. Then I came back the next day. I tried to tell her more. Still didn't tell her everything. And in my mind, Simon, I have something to say to you. That woman was forgiven much. Do you want to be forgiven much? Or do you want to be forgiven little? You want to love much? You want to love little? And it kept hanging around my neck. I knew I hadn't told my wife the whole story. I had told her what she needed to make her feel, to make her trust that her husband wouldn't and hadn't cheated on her. But I didn't tell her how I, in my heart, and even in my actions, betrayed her trust and went beyond the boundaries that we set together. And put myself into the place of temptation in the first place. See, and I hadn't told you that until just now. So you thought in my mind, hey, no harm, no foul. He's good, right? And it hung around my neck. And on Wednesday, this is past Wednesday, I was just, I'd had a couple bad days. I'd found out from a couple people who are about to become like new business clients of mine. And pay me, you know, pay us money, and that was going to be really good for us. That they were like, "Hey, we need to delay until like next spring or something like that." And I was like, "Ugh, yeah, dang it, that's disappointing. Why is this stuff not going right?" And it wasn't going right because, you know, I wasn't completely complicit with, you know, my wife and, you know, confessing everything to my wife. That's not why God doesn't punish us. That's not what He's like. We, you know, God just gives us blessings, and when we're in our own sin and filth. We're too busy dealing with that to experience the joy that he's got planned for us, right? So anyway, uh, and I'm just stewing over this stuff. I'm having a hard time concentrating when I'm working or whatever. I had to go get fingerprinted, funny, ironically enough, for this uh, writing workshop that I was teaching for schools, some schools up in Wichita Falls. So I went off and I get fingerprinted. And I'm coming back from fingerprinting. I'm like, I can't focus on work. And Vicky had said, like, why don't you just, like, go out and play disc golf or something, and just, you know, relax. You've been pushing yourself so hard. I was like, okay. So I go out and I play disc golf. I get out. Yay, I'm going to go play disc golf. And, of course, in my head, it's still playing this little thing. Simon, I have something to say to you. I'm like, yeah, 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 I'm going to play disc golf. You know, so I throw my first disc, 
and it's an awful shot. You know, hits, doesn't go like more than, I don't know, 15 feet. Throw the second one right into a tree. I'm like, dang, I'm still stuck in the same spot. This is my third shot. You know, this is not a good way to start disc golf. I love playing disc golf, by the way. And, I, you know, usually I shoot pretty good scores. So I'm, you know, perfectionist. I have to score well in order to be happy with my disc golf game. It's a great way to relax. Anyway, um, so then my third shot, I go and throw it. And I'm like, yes, I finally throw it. You know, it's going a straight line. I'm like, no, it's going straight too far. And then it goes into this little deal of trees, hits a tree, goes over and plops into this like muddy, nasty puddle. I'm like, oh, come on. It's the kind of puddle, it's too big that you can't like just go and reach in with your arm and find it, right? I'm like, I am not losing a disc to this stinky, nasty puddle. I'm finding this disc, right? So I get a stick and I'm like searching the thing. I can't find any discs in there with the stick. I'm like, great, I'm going to have to get in. So take off my shoes and my socks. And you know what? This is like nasty. Has been Most of the creek has evaporated, and there's like that one puddle left where all the creepy crawly things have fled for shelter and safety, and it reeks. It stinks, right? So I take my shoes and my socks off, and then I start going in, and my feet just sink into the ooze at the bottom. And then there's some rocks in there, so they're hurting my bare feet and whatever because I got tender feet because I'm, you know, city boy and I didn't, you know, grow up, like, walking around barefoot, so I got tender feet. Awesome. And uh, uh, so I'm walking in there trying to feel with my feet for these discs, and I find these three other discs, but I don't find my disc. And I'm like, dang it. It's like, God, please help me find this disc, you know. And still, in my head this whole time, Simon, I have something to say to you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever. I was like, I'm going to have to go in with my hands. And it's already, it's getting up on my shorts here, you know, because it's about this deep. That's about how deep it was at the deepest point. And so I was like, my arms are long enough. I could find it with my hands. <clears throat> Down in. And so I'm digging around all over this thing. And I go through it once. I still didn't find it. I come back through the second time. God, would you please help me find this disc? He's like, you know, you have searched. Look at you. Look at you. You are knee deep in filth with your hands in filth, searching for every possible thing and finding every possible thing but the one thing you really need. And you need to confess everything to your wife. Do you want to be forgiven much or do you just want to be forgiven little? Do you really want all my love or you just want a little bit of it? And right after that, I found my disc. I came out and I was like, whoa. I'm so thick-headed, I still played a few more holes before I decided, yes, that's what I'm going to do. And when I finally did decide, I've got to tell her everything, I had peace. So I went home. She calls me right before I get home. She's like, hey, honey. Uh, I'm like, yes, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, what's wrong? I'm like, I'll, I'll tell you when I see you, you know. So I go in there expecting she's going to feel awful because I betrayed her trust. Does that feel good? Guys, you know how your wife reacts when you betray her trust? It's not good, right? And you know it's going to hurt them. But even more, it's really, I'm really more concerned about me. So I go into her and I said, honey, 
I crossed the boundary that we had set. We have safe eyes on my computer, you know. I, I knew the password because she had told me the password for this one reason, and we had never changed it. I tried to forget it, but I couldn't forget it. So I used the password to extend my viewing time. And it also opened up a ton of other sites that I don't usually visit. And I started thinking, ooh, I could possibly see something that might grab my attention. And when it does, well, then I wasn't actively looking for it. If you think about a woman to lust for, you've committed adultery within your heart, you ding-a-ling, right? That's the real truth. It's sick. It's gross the way our heart does this. And I start searching after this, and I click on something. I finally click on something. I'm like, ooh, I wonder if this is really as bad as it sounds like it is. Let me find out. Click. Starts playing. It's going to be as bad as it sounded like it was. I don't want to see that. Wait a second. What am I doing? I'm out of here. And I closed it down. I had every intention of going there. When I finally got there, I was like, I'm not doing this. I don't want to sin against my wife this way. I'm out of here. God, what have I been doing? Why did I do this? And I confessed it to the Lord, but I wouldn't confess all of that to my wife. I said, honey, I'm sorry. I wouldn't confess it to you. Will you forgive me? She said, yes. And you know what? All that weight I've been carrying around is gone. And Jesus said, God, he said, that's what makes you my son. I know it took a few days. But you did it. And I'm proud of you. That's what our dad's like. We got that kind of dad kind of dad that doesn't let us get away with it and when we finally admit how we've screwed it up really big time forgives us and he says it's over now let's be father and son again oh that's what the king's like that's what the kingdom's like i want to get in on it don't you want to get in on it my little thing i put it down there somewhere see if you've only been forgiven a little You'll love little. But if you've been forgiven much, you see this woman? She's forgiven much. And Jesus says, woman, your sins are forgiven. Who could this be that he even thinks he can forgive sins? You know what? Her sins were already forgiven. Whether he was actively saying, your sins don't count, or he's just letting it go, in reality, he's just saying the truth. You can't, forg- you can't love like that unless you've already been forgiven. The Father had forgiven her. He's just declaring to her what the Father had said. Your sins are forgiven. And you know what? He's given us that same power. The other place it says that in the Bible it says they, they marveled that God would give this gift, that God would give this power to men. Because he said to prove that this guy's sins are forgiven, I say to you, arise and take up your bed and walk. And he did. Booyah. Right? So he says, woman, your sins are forgiven. Your faith saved you. Wow, that's faith. You know what faith is? It's extravagantly believing that God's as good as He says He is. 
and acting like it, even if we don't see the evidence right in front of our faces. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Wow. You know about the adventure, the power of your telling your story comes from how much you love. The power comes from how much you love. You want to tell your story and make it impact? Well, get forgiven of much. Don't settle for being forgiven of little. And I know that there are some people in here who think, I've maybe only sinned little. You know what? I grew up Christian church. I never rebelled against my parents. I didn't get addicted to stuff. But you know what? I just had just as much sin as everybody else. And what I found out is that when I thought that I didn't sin too much, I wasn't getting forgiven very much. Brokenness is what God will never despise. He'll always receive you if you're broken. And when you get forgiven of much, who do you think loves Him more? The one who's forgiven little or the one who's forgiven much? Have you allowed God to forgive you of little or much? You know, I talked about the adventure. If you look at Luke 8.1, Luke 8.1 says, Now it came to pass, right after this story, right? He's just finished this whole episode. Now it came to pass afterward that he went through every city and village preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. What do you think the glad tidings were that he was bringing? If you've done a lot of crap, you can be forgiven of all of it. You can get it on the kingdom. You're a candidate too. You can be healed, saved, delivered, set free by the power of God. That's an adventure. I want to be part of that adventure. Let's give our kids, let's give the next generation an adventure to live out. You guys want an adventure? You guys want the best adventure out there? A life that's worth living? You come in and you lay everything you got out in the presence of God. And then you ask Him, where are we going to go now? And every time you go and you hear the Holy Spirit says, hey, you should tell them about this. Or maybe ask them what they think about Jesus. Or maybe, you know what, don't say anything. Just be nice to this person. Just serve them. You can't imagine how exciting those adventures are. Those adventures, like I told you guys when I came to youth group, right? They, took me, they take me to hanging out with drug dealers and stuff. Walking in in the middle of drug dealer meetings and all these guys look at me because I'm the only white guy in the room, you know, and their eyes are like, do we kill him now or later, right? And my friend, Rashi, who's this drug dealer at the time, he's not anymore, looks at me and he goes, uh, Peter, 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 probably not a good time. You probably want to come back later. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, you know, this is a little moral conflict here. Do I take out half the drug traffic in the city or do I stay friends with my friend? <laughs> Crazy adventure. Is this normal every day? No way. Right? That is exciting. I'm like, I love this life. This is great being part of life with Jesus. And this guy who used to be a drug dealer is not a drug dealer anymore. You know? He's married. He's got a business. He's trying to follow God the most possible. And he's got issues in his life too. And man, I want to be forgiven much. So I look at him and I see him loving. 
I see him changing. I don't see how far he's still got to go. I don't see he's not perfect yet on the outside. See, if we don't get a hold of this, when all the people who are messed up and broken start getting their lives transformed and healed and delivered, those of us who have been around for a long time are going to get upset and we're going to miss it. And we're going to miss the power of God because it doesn't look like the way we wanted it to look like. I wanted it to be about me finally getting the recognition for being faithful all these years. I bore the heat of the labor in the heat of the day. And these guys just came at the last hour and you gave them the same thing as me. And God said, what's the matter with you? Don't I have the right to be generous with my own money, with my own gifts? So I wanted to give that person that just came in the same thing that I gave you. Isn't it a good gift? Wasn't it enough? And the adventure takes place when our hearts get stirred with love and get changed by his love and go, everybody gets in. Here are the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. Nobody's excluded anymore. It's no longer mercy on us and judgment on them. Now it's favor for everybody. That's the power of God. That's the power of the gospel. The good news of the kingdom is it's open to everybody. It doesn't matter where you are or what you've done. His power is available for you. I want to tell that story. And you know what? It says, and the twelve went out with him. He didn't go alone proclaiming the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. The twelve went out with him. And certain women who had been healed. You think she wasn't in there? She was right alongside Jesus. You know what was so cool? Is that Jesus said, go in peace, your faith has saved you. And you're on an equal level with me. You know what I didn't tell you about when he appointed the twelve? It says he came down and he stood on an equal level with them. That's why stories like the Knights of the Round Table are so cool to us. Because we go, a king who would actually value his people as much as himself. We got a king who values us and actually puts himself in the lower place so that he can serve us. And then he calls us and he says, now you have been saved. You've been transformed. Let's go. And let's, you're going to be the one who delivers the next one. You want that adventure? Oh, yeah, I want that adventure. I get to be the one that goes out and slays those demons that are attaching themselves and holding people in bondage. I get to be the one that goes out and sees people set free by the power of God and sees limbs grow out of people's legs that weren't there before. I see people healed from diabetes. I see people healed in their kidneys. They get new kidneys. And it's because of the goodness and grace of God. And I always used to be a harlot. I used to be the scum of the earth. I did. So if I could be one thing, let me be the harlot at your feet. And let me lose that attitude that I once was really lost. And I still do get really lost sometimes. And the mercy of God saves me. Where do you see God's kingdom in your story? Where has the kingdom of God rescued you? That's what you want to tell.
Where do you see God telling His story in the world around you? Where is He already telling a story where you're like, these people must be getting changed. You can't love like this unless you've been forgiven. They must have been forgiven too. I want to get in on that. And I want to serve them. I don't want to control them. I want to say, hey, you know what? You're a brother and you're a sister of mine. Let me support you. So that you can be way more effective than I would ever be in bringing people into the kingdom of God. And where does God want to tell his story? Where do you see an opportunity where you're like, you know what? I see oppression here. Apparently, God wants to break in. And I can pray. And I can intercede. And I can love. And I can be kind. And I can speak when God gives me something to speak. God wants to break in. Let's tell that story. Because there is nothing like your story. There's no impact like the gory details of your darkest secrets. Hospital treatments. All your deepest hopes and dreams hurtling into the ears of another. Strangers transform to brothers. Vulnerability that will no doubt leave an open door for wounds or love. A fist or peace fluttering down like rain on parched land. Tell me about the time when you found life to be more than ordinary day to day. The way your bowl of Cheerios transformed into a lavish buffet feast. Or how your creative imagination broke free of restraint at the sight of a sunset. Man, no one was even moving yet, but you know, Alan, your feet just had to dance. Because there is more romance singing melodies to your spirit than a connection with the opposite sex, even if pounding rejections have ripped your courage in two. Tell me about how you wept when death robbed your eyes the pleasure of seeing a friend. Or what hell you had to endure for your hope and faith to mend. I can't find the strength to die to destructive habits I've held dear without your willingness to rend your soul, expose the whole truth, the dirty proof that it's really not about your blazing worthiness or never-ceasing loveliness. Because true glory stooped down to mop up your ugly, venomous bile when everyone else stood at a distance holding their breath at the putrid stench. And I want to meet the hands that dirtied themselves. Clean your wounds. Heal your spirit. Share the tears that no emotional dam could have held back. Your lives hold the power of a million suns to rewrite my story's pages. Cause me to live for endless ages, leaping over chasms of fear. Would you come near? Steer me close. Tell me the most heartfelt words you know. I'm waiting. They're waiting. Be forgiven much and go with the love of God, sharing it to the world that needs it.